Hello everyone, you're listening to the Belladance Live podcast. I'm your host Jana Komarnitska and I'm thrilled to share a new portion of dance inspiration with you. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. Don't forget to subscribe and receive automatic updates about our new episodes. And if you are our regular listener, welcome back. Please leave your reviews on whichever app you're listening. They really help me promote the show and spread awareness about Belladance art form. Plus, I really like hearing back from you. On this note, let's get to our today's episode. Are you thinking about visiting Cairo? Instead of staying at a regular hotel, check an amazing option of Yasmina of Cairo B&B. As a dancer herself, Yasmina opened her stunning home in Cairo to dancers from all over the world, where she offers accommodation, home-cooked food, dance classes right there at her own home studio next to your room, as well as photo shoots. You can take classes with Yasmina or other teachers, check her parties and workshops with live music, and ask her to help you navigate Cairo, for instance, to figure out how to book shows to watch or which sites and places to visit or where to go shopping. And as a professional photographer, Yasmina also offers photo shoots at the B&B with its beautiful oriental backdrops as well as on locations around Cairo and Egypt. Book your stay at the B&B or a photo shoot with Yasmina by contacting her on Facebook or Instagram at Yasmina of Cairo or by emailing her at yasmina at yasminaofcairo.com. Links will be included in the show notes. We fall in love with uh, this dance form for many different reasons, but one of the popular reasons is the amazing variety and freedom and never-ending field of exploration that this dance provides to us. And all of this is amazing thing and uh, if you listen to the podcast or on my other channels you know i'm personally a huge fan of experimentation creativity personal interpretation of things but sometimes it may carry you away and that's why i decided this time to put together a best of uh, compilation episode as a reminder of why is it important to not necessarily come back but at least to study and understand the roots. Regardless, are you dancing traditional oriental style or not? Are you dancing folklore or not? Do you like it or not? But why is it still important to learn, understand and keep diving and keep uh, expanding your knowledge in this field regardless of what you actually like to put out on stage. So in this today's episode you will hear a little parts from our previous interviews and you will hear from Jelena, from Mohammed Shaheen, from Meher Malik and from Aubrey Hill. All of them have very different individual style and different venues of their ballet dance activities and all of them have different journeys and dance exploration stories. But uh, this is just an interesting reminder and also a compilation of different thoughts and different opinions and different approaches on this topic to give you some food for thoughts and reminders. And if you want to dive into the previous interviews, full interviews with each of these guests, check the show notes. I will include the rank a direct link uh, right there so you can go and explore more about their personal journey as well as more about this topic that we are discussing today. 
It's this time of the year. The Belladins bundle is back with sale running from November 2nd to the 10th. This bundle brings together dance teachers from around the globe who teach online and it offers a unique opportunity for dancers to purchase a package of classes from not just two, three or five teachers, but from more than 30 instructors. You're basically getting a 90% discount comparing to the total price you would pay in case of purchasing each class separately. When else do you get the opportunity to try out a ton of teachers and subjects like this? With a combination of pre-recorded classes and scheduled online events, the bundle ensures that you've always got something new to practice and a group of people to dance alongside. No matter your level or the amount of time you have to dedicate to your dance at home, you'll find several courses and subjects that work for you in the bundle. But remember, you can purchase it only during the sales time from November 2nd to the 10th. Check out thebelladinsbundle.com or find it on Instagram at thebelladinsbundle to see this year's teachers and get ready to dance. It's thebelladinsbundle.com, link in the show notes. But in your opinion and uh, uh, your sort of experience, what, how would you define what, what is that American ballad and style? Is it just about structure of the show or when it has something that actually can be defined as American style of ballad dance? That's a great question, Iana. Really, like now I'm I kind of thinking about it because in, it depends on this kind of which generation we're talking about. So when I started belly dancing 30 years ago, it, American style was like from you know, like Aisha Ali and Morocco and, um, you know, Diane Weber. So this kind of like, it had a lot of influence from Turkey, uh, at the, at the time, not all of them was purely, you know, Turkish, but there was some influence. It was, I think there was, um, a lot of, um, Turkish people had immigrated into the United States that, that sort of affected some of the, some of the influence of belly dance. And, Back then, it was this sort of like a, a five-part routine. You know, it was the fast play the finger symbols. Uh, then you do like a, a, a veil routine, a veil section with bolero. Then slow toxine with a shift to telly, and that would often be some floor work or slow, you know, slow movements, uh, drum solo, and then like the karshlama, the nine eight. So that was sort of the American style back then, and now I feel like it's transformed a lot where there's a lot of influence from, um, Hollywood, you can say. So, uh, there's different influences of, uh, a fusion that has been involved with the, you know, the, the changing and, and evolution, if you will, the evolution of the dance. Um, so I guess just kind of looking back, I would just say that, that, that style when it's, when belly dance started in this country to sort of take off and, and, you know, the, some of the greats, you know, who like you talked about this um, on one of your podcasts about, you know, uh, social media when you're talking with uh, Sadie is about, you know, back then we didn't have Internet and YouTube to, to learn all these things. So people like Aisha Ali who were producing, you know, VHS videos and we'd buy these, you know, expensive, you know, they were pretty expensive back then, about fifty dollars, sixty dollars. Uh, you know, so to learn about like the history of the dance and where it came from and, and sort of like have cultural reference uh, for those of us who, who hadn't traveled yet to the Middle East. So this is um, kind of where we had the roots of it. Mm, I see. Well, just a side note, 
Jillian is listening to podcast too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am. Yeah, so. It's really informative. It's great stuff. Uh, thanks. Um, actually, the reason why I sort of asked about this American style of ballet dance, the term itself, is just because I find recently, uh, these days, there are so many discussions about what is ballet dance, what is authentic ballet dance, can it be like, I don't know, different styles of ballet dance rather than just Egyptian or Turkish, like people sort of discussing, oh, what's, I don't know, Argentinian ballet dance style or Russian ballet dance style, like what do you mean by that? So... Uh, it's just interesting to hear different approaches and uh, uh, what's your vision of it? Because I kind of feel it's closely related even to your uh, ballet dance evolution production. But how the evolution of dance goes today? Does it have place to develop more styles of ballet dance than just Egyptian and Turkish or does it I don't know, harm the dance or does it support it? Uh, uh, what your thoughts on it in general? Yeah, I think, you know, I was having a discussion with a friend recently um, and we were talking about it and I think that there's definitely room and the, the dance is evolving and, and, and all art evolves, you know. You know, contemporary came from classic ballet and now contemporary is, 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 is its own huge genre of dance. So I don't think we can stop or we should sort of um, stifle the the evolution of art. But I think it's really important, especially for the new and younger generation, to have a deep understanding of, of where it comes from culturally, uh, understanding, you know, things about the language, the history of the music, how it's how the music has evolved, having a, an understanding of studying all the folkloric dances. It doesn't mean, like, I studied a lot of that stuff, but I, I almost rarely perform them. But having that knowledge gave me all the tools to, um, to make artistic decisions and then also have like a base and an understanding of where it comes from. So if I want to do something fusion, but I have like a Saidi rhythm playing, or I want to use a Mizmar, maybe I can have some influence from Saidi. But if, if the music allows and the venue allows and my audience is, is in those type of venues, then I can choose artists. I can make artistic decisions to, to do the fusion um, types of things, but without, without knowledge of, of, of culture and history, then you're just making it up. And then it's just like a fantasy. So uh, like my teacher, Sahara Saida, she's, uh, I would say she's my mentor. She's like, she's been such a great uh, teacher and influencer um, throughout my entire career She's like, you, you, you can break the rules once you know them. So having that foundation is, is so important. And I think I love the, I love the fusion stuff that's happening. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of tribal, uh, tribal dance, ATS, tribal fusion. I don't perform it. I don't dance it. I occasionally take some classes because I'm intrigued by it and I want to just expand my horizons, but it's, it's, it's really beautiful art so, you know, I don't think that we should just dismiss things that are coming out and that are fusion. But it's really important that that the younger generation takes the time to study, like, all of these things, the music, the instruments, the history, the culture, and, and, and all of that. What is your take on the 
confusion, especially with this story that you were first resistant, mm -hmm. that, oh, this doesn't make any sense, but then you embraced and you actually took it as opportunity. I love how you put it that the problem became opportunity. <laughs> so can you share a little bit of your thoughts about this? So originally, I don't think I was interested in, especially when I had studied with strict teachers like uh, Leila Haddad, and I had studied with actually a lot of different, that's the first time also at that festival I saw Khaled Mahmoud. I saw a lot of really, I was only 17 and it was a really impressionable age for me. So for me at that point of time, belly dance was uh oriental dance you know because even fusion or tribal fusion or american tribal style um 12 years back was also developing it was not um today the kind of with the coming of media and uh, the coming of youtube there is a big difference in the way that people are able to see things across the world but at that point of time to be honest even like 12 15 years back uh, belly dance was equal to oriental dance or arab like from Arab culture, not really something that was not really something that was accepted or or you could I, I, you didn't look at it from as a dancing style from any other part of the world. You looked at it as an Arab dance. And for me, that is what I thought as well. For me, it was coming from the Middle East. It was coming from Egypt. And this is what my understanding was. So when I came to India and people asked me to to create fusions, I was like, no way, this is not going to happen. It has to be danced in Egyptian music. It has to be danced to Arabic music. There is no way I'm going to do fusions. Um, so yes, this is what my original take on the dance was. So originally, I was a traditionalist. And, and belly dance or any other dance or any art in the world is, is created or followed by two types of people, the traditionalists or the futurists, and a third type of people who are able to practice either one of these but still respect the other one. Um, even in India, we find many schools, classical schools of dance, which are traditionalists. No, we practice only dance this way, you know, um, only Katak is this way and Odyssey is this way and blah, blah, blah. And we're very strict about our rules. And we still follow like the old system to teach students, which is very strict and disciplined and um, structured. And then you have the futurists, which have always been breaking the rules. And it's not just with belly dance. It is also with, you know, we have a very famous contemporary dancer called Astad Debu, and he's always breaking away from all the rules of uh, classical Indian dance. Um, we have many companies which are using uh, classical Indian dance or folk or martial arts from India, but fusing with contemporary dance. So this has already been happening even before I started to do this, to be honest. I'm not the first person to do this, and it has been happening in times before me by people before me as well. Because it is truly dependent on the kind of people that society is made by. There are ones that follow the rules, and then there are ones that break the rules. So if people are going to give their opinions about fusion and how it's going to break the community and the art and for me, this is bullshit. This is bullshit because um, at the end of the day, the ones that want to preserve the dance in its truest, truest sense are still going to do it. They are still going to do that. Even in India, there are companies now that are dancing Bharatanatyam and ballet together, um, Chow and contemporary together. But still, there are people that are still pursuing Bharatanatyam just the way it is or Chow just the way it is. 
So I don't think this is going to break culture or it's going to ruin any one particular dance because there will always be people, there will always be a balance and there will always be people who will be doing both things. Even for me as a student, before I went into any kind of fusion, I first studied, I studied Kathak for, I've been, I'm still a student of Kathak. Um, I'm still a student of ODC. This morning at 7 a.m. I'm coming from an ODC class. Um, I'm still a student of Bollywood dance. So I would say that the one main thing for people to understand who create fusion is to actually create a marriage between two different languages um, as compared to saying, okay, I did a workshop in this uh, and I know some basics and I did a workshop in this and I know some basics and now I'm going to put this together and this is fusion, ta-da, but that's not the truth. Um, that is not fusion, that is confusion. Because you don't know anything, you don't know anything about a serious dancing style. You have not committed your life to it. You don't understand the ethical values of each dancing style. You don't know what can offend the cultures in different parts of the world. You don't understand the languages. So I would say the time when I started creating fusion, like I said, firstly, it was the problem that created the opportunity. Because people were so unaware about belly dance. It was only something that was done at, you know, clubs and restaurants and, you know, only families that could afford dancers from abroad. And it was not even considered a serious professional dancing style in India. Um, so I took that as an opportunity to educate people about belly dancing, but going in a reverse direction. Okay, let me try to bring uh, belly dance movement and ideas and cultures and, and music sense, but trying to do that through the Indian culture. And you will be surprised how many similarities you find between the Egyptian and the Indian culture. Unbelievable amounts of similarities in the maqams, in the scales, in, in, the, in, in the mood, in, in the concept and idea of tarab, in, in so many concepts and so many ideas, because somewhere we are also very deep cultures, you know, going back thousands and thousands of years. So I, I took the, the, the help and the assistance of these ideas and kind of started putting that inside my Bollywood or in putting it into um, interpretation of something in a, a Tarab style or lyrical interpretation or putting something inside a classical Indian interpretation. And along the way, I always had guidance from people who were already practicing belly dance seriously, professionally and also classical Indian dance professionally. So I always took their opinions and I always took, um, I always took their guidance. And I always tried to understand what was the best way to bring the two worlds together, but still not completely break away and still not um, offend anybody with what I was doing. Of course, unfortunately, even if you try to do the best that you can, there will still be people that will be offended, obviously. This will still happen because there is no, there is going to be no um, line to this. There is no line to this. But I would only say the guidelines that have kept me sane or the guidelines which today even, even make classical Indian dancers um, respect my work or even dancers in Egypt. I have even taught in Egypt and my dancers are now uh, 
Kazafi Troop India because my the teachers I study with understand the approach with which I work. So even when I'm e in Egypt, I'm performing like a story of uh, Indian gods and goddesses, but I'm dancing it in Alif Leila Ulayla, which is by Uncle Sum. But they under but but because my research or my work in this field has gone to the degree of understanding the culture, the music, the language, the dancing styles. The people that I presented in front of today understand where I'm coming from, but it has taken many, many years to achieve this also. So I would say my my guidance to anybody who's who's trying to understand the idea of fusion has to first understand what they're trying to fuse. And have you committed enough time of your life to both those things or three of those things or four of those things to create fusion? You cannot possibly just attend a two-hour workshop in Bollywood and say, now I'm a Bollywood teacher because I have studied a workshop in Bollywood. Your message is very clear. You're not just teaching to dance. It's like uh, dancing like uh, Egyptian. Yes. And it appeals to a lot of ballet dancers. Right. So uh, I was wondering, in your opinion, like, can a foreigner and e I mean foreign dancer, not from Middle East uh, originally, uh, can they actually learn to dance exactly like with this Egyptian? Yeah, there are, soul? there are so many. Uh -huh. There are so many, so many great dancers. They dance, they they interpret interpret the music really well. They translate the lyrics really well, and they dance to it really well. There is a lot of, around the world, a lot of very good dancers. Look, we are working with foreigners. If I if we are working with foreigners, it means we are teaching them, so they get to learn and they get to dance and they get to listen because a lot of foreigners they work really hard to study more and I get lots of questions about the dance just because the foreigner dancers want to learn it mm -hmm. and I I appreciate that and any question I get I answer either in my workshop or in or on, on, on some messages or emails or in person or on festival, I always answer because I really appreciate the person who wants to know. You know, and that's why I'm going to open this topic now. Mm -hmm. That's why I do write a lot of information on Facebook. And yeah, I actually I want to say that that anytime I write information on Facebook just for education reason only. Not, not to point on anybody. Not to point in any specific ones. Not to, not, not to speak to someone. No, when I put any information about the dance or about the Egyptian dance, it just—it's a responsibility that I have. I am a teacher. I've been doing this business for over thirty years. I know a lot about it, and when I see some wrong information around, I have to correct it. I feel that's a responsibility of mine. And this is actually responsibility for any other teacher, either Egyptian or foreigner from any country. Mm -hmm. All the teachers need to know that they are educating students. And this is a responsibility to deliver to your students the right information. And if you don't know the right information, then they should ask. And that's why, one more time, I'm writing the information on online just just to educate people. You know, this is my culture. I've been I've been around a lot. 
And I would like to see Saidi as a Saidi. I would like to see Baladi as a Baladi. I would like to see Egyptian dance as an Egyptian dance. There, are, there is a lot of any other dance. I don't deny that, of course. There is fusion. There is, there is Turkish. There is this and there is that. But when I speak about the dance, I speak about Egyptian dance. Mm -hmm. I don't speak about any other dance. Not Turkish, not Lebanese, not Argentinian, not anything else. But I'm educating people about the dance that I know. What if you dance ballady? So if you call it ballady, this is the ballady it has to be. If you call it Saidi, then Saidi it has to be like this. If you call it Oriental, the Oriental has to be like this. So that's why I keep writing information. And what's upset me sometimes that some people take it really personal. Like I don't want to approach anybody in personal. I don't want to point to anybody to talk to anybody. No, I'm just given the information for anybody who wants to receive information. If you don't want to receive information, just ignore it. Just like, like as it was. If you really need the information, just take it. If you don't need it, just leave it alone. That's, uh, that, that, that's, that's the issue with me writing mm -hmm. a lot of... Because uh, I feel responsibility on my shoulder. I can just leave it. Then it's going to be a, like, a lot of misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel uh, this is one of the, uh, let's say, issues or problems in Baladin's community that people are too sensitive for any kind of critique and sometimes yeah. they're eager to consider certain information as a critique and take it personal to them. The, exactly, yeah. yes. As, uh, as also I mentioned you earlier about the word on English, an oriental dance. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me clarify that mm -hmm. because oriental dance, it makes so many people... Confuse? Okay. As we all know, Oriental, Orient people can be Chinese, can be Asian, can be many people. But when we are dancer, when we say Oriental, that we mean the Egyptian dance or we are as an Egyptian. So don't take it as an, this is the English word, the Oriental, this is the Chinese or Asian or this or that. No. There is a term of belly dance as well, but we don't really say belly dance. Like Egyptians don't like mm -hmm. to say belly dance because it's actually, is not a belly dance. So that's why we don't like it. it. So we use the word for English, Oriental, for Arabic, Raksharki or Egyptian dance. So when we speak about being an Oriental dancer, it does, it means of being an Egyptian dancer. So don't take it really sensitive. Oh, you're saying Oriental, this is Oriental, this is not Orient. You know, so I just wanted also to clarify this word of Oriental. When we say Oriental dance, for us, for our community, not for Asia, not for Russia, not for this, not for that. When we are saying in a dance community, Oriental dance, it means for us, Egyptian dance. Mm. It's just funny how many recent interviews of the podcast that we had, that we come to this topic, to bring up this topic again and again. It is just another reminder that people sometimes too picky on exact words exactly. instead yes. of looking into which message that's or right. meaning the person that's tries right. to that's, deliver. That's absolutely right. I, I hope, again, when we speak about the dance, just for education, for, for educational reason, not for anybody to, to feel offensive or no, he means me or she means me or she means other person. No. When we speak about dance, we speak in general, either me or any others, Egyptian or non-Egyptians. So when we speak about dance, 
only for educational reason, not to point on anybody, not to point any specific ones, just for the dance. Mm. Yeah, that, that's so true. And also just another like, uh, I don't know, there's something has to change in the mentality of dancers because uh, sometimes whenever we hear at the different, uh, well, information, it's uh, discussable because there are some facts which are either true or false. But if we about opinions, if we have a different opinion, we right away get it negatively instead of just accepting we can have different opinions. Each one, exactly. Each one has its own opinion. And as we see now, so many different styles. Of course, I love to see it all. I love everything. I love, I'm a dancer. I study ballet, I study modern, I love salsa, I love tango, I love waltz, I love all kinds of dance, and I would love to do everything. But when we are critical about oriental dance, if you do an Egyptian dance, let it be an Egyptian dance. If you do fusion, let it be fusion. Uh, what's upset us when, when I see Saidi, oh, when you call Saidi dance, but it's actually not Saidi. It's mm -hmm. some fusion or, whatever else if you say you're dancing ballady and i see something else is but not ballady that's when i talk some people say yes leave us creativity we need to be creative of course i'm a creative i'm an artist i can be creative with a ballady but i have to keep the roots of the ballady I have to keep the mood of the ballad. I have to keep the music of the ballad. Be an artist. Develop the dance. We all develop the dance. Mm -hmm. What I dance today, they didn't dance 20 years ago. We are developing the dance. But in our circle, I cannot put on, I, I cannot add on the ballad dance jazz movement. It just doesn't work. You know, I cannot add on the ballad, uh, let's say, violin or kanun. It just, is not there. I, I can't, instead of uh, an accordion, uh, I do a keyboard. It's just that, it just can't work. You know, that's what I'm saying. Be creative. Use your own imagination. Use your own brain to develop the dance. Beautiful. But keep the roots. Keep the essence. Keep the musicality. Keep the feeling. That applies for any any uh, style of Egyptian dance applies for Oriental, applies for Saidi, applies for Baladi, applies for Shabi, applies for everything. If you keep the root, this is how it's difficult. This is how you, you, you have to get creativity to be in a circle and to be creative at the same time. To keep the root and to keep everything and to be creative. This is, this is the smart way to do, mm -hmm. but not to be creative at jazz movement on the ballet that's not creativity that's being out of roots that's being out of musicality that's being out of style but yeah be creative i love to see new things i love when i see a, I, see, I saw a lot of many dancers new ideas new great movement but they are in the mood I'd, i would love to see that mm -hmm. be in the mood call yourself a ballet dancer or an oriental dancer, but do what you call. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's it's such a I don't know. There's such a thin board. I don't know. The it's on the thin ice as if you're walking because uh, there is a 
I don't know, especially in 21st century, in many fields, not only in ballet dance, there are some uh, experimental uh, art pieces in different dance forms. Sure. So for dancers, uh, I absolutely understand what you mean and what, what you uh, try to do to deliver the message and it's really important because what we see in ballet dance field sometimes that people they experiment they're not experiment they substitute their lack of knowledge which would have a crazy experiments and then they teach it as a tradition that's so the that's thing. one thing but at the same time i i'm always like question is like okay but why can't we do completely crazy experimental things if person does it consciously Absolutely. and doesn't present it as a tradition that's 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 my issue don't present it as a tradition, then do whatever you want. That's my issue only. Mm -hmm. Don't say I'm doing a traditional thing and you do like a crazy, could be beautiful, could be very pretty or very beautiful dance, very sophisticated dance, very good. Yes, but don't describe it as a tradition. That's, that's, that's the only issue. Be creative. Use any, any music with your creativity. Uh, I would love to see something beautiful, but don't call it traditional dance. That's my issue. You can be very creative. You know, I, I, I dance myself a mise-en-scene, which is not oriental mise-en-scene. It, I, I made it for myself, for my style. That's been something new. This is, I can call that tradition. I don't describe it as a, as a tradition. I describe it as my style. I describe it as my idea. I describe it something fits me, but I never call it something tradition. This is the, this is the only thing I have. Mm -hmm. And uh, being, being a developer and to develop the dance, you have to have base. You have to know the tradition to be able to develop the dance. You cannot be creative without knowing the roots without knowing the basics without knowing the real thing if you don't know the real thing you cannot be a deliverer you, you you cannot go higher with the dance you cannot develop the dance you need to study really 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 well deep the traditional dance for you to be to take it a step higher to take this dance a step higher we all do i work very hard to take this dance step higher not for myself only no for everyone else that's why i'm loud that's why uh i speak a lot about the dance that's why i like to educate people just to take this our beautiful dance a step higher mm. There is something happening that this uh, statement and this idea that, oh, you need to uh, learn uh, folklore, you need to understand the roots uh, of the dance, you need to understand traditions, it's used so often and so much that I feel that the younger generation of dancers, they very often kind of feel like, ah, what, what, what for? It's like, it's just another, like, uh, uh, statement that, again, like it's said, uh, like, million times, but... Um, uh, although we say that we need to know the roots and understand it, but many dancers may not feel like, where is the practical application? Like, what for do I need to study folklore if I'm not planning to perform folklore? Do you have any, uh, maybe 
thoughts on this or maybe you even have any stories of how learning folklore influenced and informed you as an artist because you are such a like interesting combination of doing ballet dance like in the like common traditional let's say understanding of it learning and going deep into folklore and also exploring a fusion aspect of this dance form so you really like you're not just focused on folklore you you have experience or interest deep interest in all these different uh ways of presenting dance so maybe you have any like stories or any thoughts of like why do we need to for belly dancers now i'm talking more like uh why if someone is only planning, at least for now, at least at this point of their dance journey, planning to focus mostly on oriental dance, on ballet dance. Why is it still important for them to learn folklore? <laughs> um, I have lots of thoughts about this. <laughs> um, so, because um, mainly I would say that dance is a language. And if we are participating as a part of the language, we need to understand how we express within the language. To only learn, say, like Raksharki or Oriental or belly dance is to only understand, say, like a conversational level of mimicry. I'm going to go ahead and go there fully within this. Mm -hmm. If we do not understand where these movements and the context of these movements and gestures and how it connects to the music, we cannot understand how to express the dance form as a true sense of expression, that we will continue to only get a sense of kind of packaged form of the dance of how we have learned it from our teachers or from whatever workshops we're taking. We, it will never integrate as an artistic expression form. And I think we see a lot of that within the dance form right now. And I, I love that this dance is so popular all across the globe. Like that says it's, it's empowering quality to it, right? That it, it has, it's deeply embedded in so much healing and embodiment and confidence in so many different ways. And within that popularity, there is, there's a learning process that happens. And I think the beginning really comes with such this open eyed sense of wonder that is just absolutely beautiful, right? And that we are a sponge and we're soaking up anything we can of it. And some of the information that we are soaking up in that way is also not necessarily uh, true and accurate from a cultural perspective. And then as we keep pushing through, right, we start getting into this intermediate space where we get more of a physical understanding of how we do these techniques and how we can travel across space and how we add in nuances with our arms and our uh, choreography and our improvisation. And, and as, as a teacher, I will commonly make the reference that, um, the intermediate space is, is vital, but it's also a really dangerous space because it's when we start to be able to recognize what it is that we know. And commonly, I will find in this phase of our learning process, um, dancers will come to a, a sense of understanding that they know all of it. Mm. <laughs> 
somehow got it, right? And sometimes this comes with when you start performing and you get uh, recognition and it's complimentary from the audiences and everything along those lines. And I totally understand. Um, but if dancers do not push beyond that, um, they will never get into the mature elements of what it is to be truly expressive and understand the the power and the deep richness that is this dance form. So even if nobody wants to do folklore, which um, I definitely have had a variety of fusion dancers actually um, that have wanted to study folklore because they realize they have come in through such uh, a dance form that is devoid of its cultural roots. So they want to understand more. And in learning about it, they have found so much joy that they have ended up uh, kind of sticking around and doing folklore. <laughs> um, but even if a dancer never plans on doing folklore, it's it's vital. <laughs> it is absolutely vital to understanding where the dance comes from. And when you are especially not of the culture, it is your responsibility to understand how you are representing not just yourself and not just the dance, but a whole culture of people. And if we don't take upon that responsibility with devotion and seriousness, we continue to propagate potentially very harmful concepts, not just about the dance, but about the Arab woman, about the exotified other, about all of these concepts that may seem like something that is um, so far off and not applicable to a dancer that is doing a dance in um, a little restaurant somewhere or something. But we, we're all connected in how we are representing this culture to the public. So even if a dancer doesn't think that they are being a culture representative, they are. So it's so important that we understand this responsibility. And, and also giving ourselves some loving kindness that we are all learning and and we may have made some unwise decisions in the past. And, and, and from my perspective, I think that's, that's okay. It's more that we continue learning and that as we learn new things that we integrate them and make better decisions. Hmm. Where do you think is that line uh, between uh, going uh, strictly with traditions in terms of like representing the culture, but at the same time having artistic uh, a freedom of going into creative worlds uh, inspired by whatever culture. Like in this case, of course, we are talking like ballet dance, but I'm even in generally speaking, like uh, uh, does the place of, uh, I don't know, let's say fantasy worlds, d does it have any place to exist or should we just try to keep it more towards like what is the tradition says? Uh, I think there are two different questions in there, um, actually. So the first part of it is that I would say that traditions really are elements that are from the past, right? So we're understanding the past and every art form is experiencing and expressing the present. So every art form continues to evolve and cultures evolve, people evolve, right? So what we're doing within the art is built upon the traditions and the past and the history that this dance form is. Um, if we are doing something within an educational form or that we are kind of encapsulating something as a moment of history, and I'll put like quote unquote authenticity, right? That we are putting um, that within a certain place and a certain time, that, that will have an encapsulation around what the aesthetics are, what's being expressed. It's, in, it, it's a capsule of 
context of how the dance was expressed in that time and place. But when we are thinking about art, art is a current um, today in the now expression, right? So um, when we're thinking about how we navigate the ideas of tradition, it's one honoring that we have our own unique voice and perspective and experiences, and we are bringing that into our dance always. And it's about being aware of how we're bringing that into the dance so that uh, if we are not thinking of ourselves as being kind of museum pieces, um, that we are working to express something within the present, right, within how most people are actually experiencing this dance form, especially dance. It's an ephemeral art form, right? It, it exists in that moment and then it's gone forever. That we have to acknowledge um, where, we are, where we stand now. Uh, and this is why I think this dance form has such a beautiful quality of acknowledging the maturity that comes with life. And as we understand more of ourselves and more of the world, how we could bring that into the dance form. So, so there's that part of it. And along those lines too, I would say that within any art form, that you're learning, again, I'll use that analogy of the language, that you're learning a language. And within that, you are expressing you, but through that language. So if you do, say, a certain style, so say like you do Egyptian Raksharki or something along those lines, right, that you have, you have an agreement of a certain kind of uh, scope of expectations. You have a certain scope of the language of which you're going to pull from and that how you use that language is an expression of you, of the uniqueness of you in that moment. So you fully get a chance to express who you are, but through that aesthetic lens. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that it's, it's not a restriction, actually. It's, um, it's a creative container of which you are um, stepping into kind of an agreement with your audience. So they have a certain expectation as what language you're going to be speaking with them with. Uh, and that will allow a sense of trust and vulnerability, not just for the performer, but for the audience so that everybody can have that shared experience together. Again, using that language idea, I think, is a perfect analogy within that. If we uh, throw in other dances or elements that are not of that style, uh, that symbolism may get lost on our audience in a kind of way that means that we're then speaking a language that they no longer understand. And if we're not trying to express something, then what would be the point? So there's that half of it. Um, and then the other half would be the idea that you brought up the word fantasy. And I think this is uh, an interesting concept within it, because really when we're thinking about fantasy, right, the idea of um, our imagination, right, in um, these different aspects that can really be explored through art. And there's there's so much in that, that of where we can kind of see into the future and um, be able to express various things. The danger about fantasy is that sometimes it's embedded in caricatures in a way that be, can be reinforcing stereotypes <laughs> that actually could be doing more damage than good. And although some of those characters might seem really fun on the surface, um, knowing the history of those um, stereotypes is extremely important so that you are not creating um, a damaging effect on an art form that you love. 
This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, bringing more consistency and more fun into your dance training online. Check it out at yanadanceclub.com, direct link in the show notes. And before you leave, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends, as well as leave a review on iTunes or any other app you're using to listen to the show. The more people know about this podcast, the easier it is for me to bring even more awesome guests. Until next time, keep shimmering and keep dancing.